This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Revival starts when people pray together, but maybe you long for something more than just another prayer meeting. Keep listening to learn more about how intercession can transform the world in Carolyn Carney's new book, The Power of Group Prayer. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Getting the word with truth table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson. And Akemini Uwan. Let's get in the word and may the word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your word. Old Testament reading. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is thrown into a lion's den. It seemed like a good idea to Darius to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Over them would be three supervisors, one of whom was Daniel. These satraps were accountable to them, so that the king's interests might not incur damage. Now this Daniel was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors and the satraps, for he had an extraordinary spirit. In fact, the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Consequently, the supervisors and satraps were trying to find some pretext against Daniel in connection with administrative matters, but they were unable to find any such damaging evidence because he was trustworthy and guilty of no negligence or corruption. So these men concluded, we won't find any pretext against this man, Daniel, unless it is in connection with the law of his God. So these supervisors and satraps came by collusion to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. To all the supervisors of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, counselors, and governors, it seemed like a good idea for a royal edict to be issued and an interdict to be enforced. For the next thirty days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, should be thrown into a den of lions. Now let the king issue a written interdict, so it cannot be altered, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. So King Darius issued the written interdict. When Daniel realized that a written decree had been issued, he entered his home, where the windows in his upper room opened towards Jerusalem. Three times daily, he was kneeling and offering prayers and thanks to his God, just as he had been accustomed to do previously. Then those officials who had gone to the king came by collusion and found Daniel praying and asking for help before his God. So they approached the king and said to him, Did you not issue an edict 
to the effect that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, would be thrown into a den of lions. The king replied, That is correct. According to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the edict that you issued. Three times daily he offers his prayer. When the king heard this, he was very upset and began thinking about how he might rescue Daniel. Until late afternoon, he was struggling to find a way to rescue him. Then those men came by collusion to the king and said to him, Recall, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or decree that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought and thrown into a den of lions. The king consoled Daniel by saying, Your God, whom you continually serve, will rescue you. Then a stone was brought and placed over the opening to the den. The king sealed it with his signet ring and with those of his nobles, so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel. Then the king departed to his palace, but he spent the night without eating and no diversions were brought to him. He was unable to sleep. God rescues Daniel from the lions. In the morning, at the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up and rushed to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out to Daniel in a worried voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you continually serve, able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and closed the lions' mouths so that they have not harmed me, because I was found to be innocent before him. Nor have I done any harm to you, O king. Then the king was delighted and gave an order to haul Daniel up from the den. So Daniel was hauled up out of the den. He had no injury of any kind, because he had trusted in his God. The king gave another order, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children, and their wives. They did not even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and language groups who were living in all the land, peace and prosperity. I have issued an edict that throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, people are to revere and fear the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His authority is forever. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel chapter 8. Daniel has a vision of a goat and a ram. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after the one that had appeared to me previously. In this vision, I saw myself in Susa, the citadel, which is located in the province of Elam. In the vision, I saw myself at the Eula Canal. I looked up and saw a ram with two horns standing at the canal. Its two horns were both long, but one was longer than the other. The longer one was coming up after the shorter one. I saw that the ram was budding westward, northward, and southward. No animal was able to stand before it, and there was none who could deliver from its power. It did as it pleased and acted arrogantly. While I was contemplating all this, a male goat was coming from the west over the surface of all the land without touching the ground. This goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. It came to the two-horned ram, 
that had been standing beside the canal and rushed against it with ravaging strength. I saw it approaching the ram. It went into a fit of rage against the ram and struck it and broke off its two horns. The ram had no ability to resist it. The goat hurled the ram to the ground and trampled it. No one could deliver the ram from its power. The male goat acted even more arrogantly. But no sooner had the large horn become strong than it was broken. And there arose four conspicuous horns in its place, extending towards the four winds of the sky. From one of them came a small horn, but it grew to be very great towards the south, in the east, and toward the beautiful land. It grew so great it reached the army of heaven, and it brought about the fall of some of the army and some of the stars to the ground, where it trampled them. It also acted arrogantly against the prince of the army, from whom the daily sacrifice was removed and whose sanctuary was thrown down. The army was given over, along with the daily sacrifice, in the course of his sinful rebellion. It hurled truth to the ground and enjoyed success. Then I heard a holy one speaking. Another holy one said to the one who was speaking, To what period of time does the vision pertain? This vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the destructive act of rebellion and the giving over of both the sanctuary and army to be trampled. He said to me, To 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be put right again. An angel interprets Daniel's vision. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision, I sought to understand it. Now one who appeared to be a man was standing before me. Then I heard a human voice coming from between the banks of the Eula. It called out, Gabriel, enable this person to understand the vision. So he approached the place where I was standing. As he came, I felt terrified and fell flat on the ground. Then he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision pertains to the time of the end. As he spoke with me, I fell into a trance with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Then he said, I'm going to inform you about what will happen in the latter time of wrath, for the vision pertains to the appointed time of the end. The ram that you saw with the two horns stands for the kings of Media and Persia. The male goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The horn that was broken and in whose place there arose four others stands for four kingdoms that will arise from his nation, though they will not have his strength. Towards the end of their rule, when rebellious acts are complete, a rash and deceitful king will arise. His power will be great, but it will not be by his strength alone. He will cause terrible destruction. He will be successful in what he undertakes. He will destroy powerful people and the people of the Holy Ones. By his treachery, he will succeed through deceit. He will have an arrogant attitude, and he will destroy many who are unaware of his schemes. He will rise up against the prince of princes, yet he will be broken apart, but not by human agency. The vision of the evenings and mornings that was told to you is correct, but you should seal up the vision, for it refers to a time many days from now. I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. Then I got up and again carried out the king's business. But I was astonished at the vision, and there was no one to explain it. New Testament reading. Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 12. Chapter 27. Paul and company sail for Rome. When it was decided we would sail for Italy, 
they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustian cohort named Julius. We went on board a ship from Adramitium that was about to sail to various ports along the coast of the province of Asia and put out to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius, treating Paul kindly, allowed him to go to his friends so they could provide him with what he needed. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. After we had sailed across the open sea off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we put in at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship from Alexandria sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. We sailed slowly for many days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis. Because the wind prevented us from going any further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmone. With difficulty, we sailed along the coast of Crete and came to a place called Fair Havens that was near the town of Lycia, caught in a violent storm. Since considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, Men, I can see the voyage is going to end in disaster and great loss not only of the cargo and the ship but also of our lives. But the centurion was more convinced by the captain and the ship's owner than by what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. They hoped that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and merciful God, Lord, we greet you today with hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, you are good, and your mercies endure forever. God, we thank you that with each new day, we experience new mercies. Things that we can easily understand and get hold of and comprehend, but there are mercies that we experience that oftentimes we don't fully understand and appreciate but only retrospectively do we see your hand at work upholding us, teaching us, guiding us, and even rescuing us. Oh God, we're reminded of so many things as we reflect on these passages today, but we are reminded that you are indeed a deliverer, that you are the God who rescues. You are the God who saves us and vindicates us. And the vindication that you do on our behalf is so powerful and so transformative that not only does it testify to our hearts, but it, it is a witness to those that are around us that their God is the God who saves. And so we're reminded today that you don't need our saving. You don't need our rescue, that, that we are not uh, making you exist or making you powerful, but you have existence beyond time and space and that you are God always. And you have all power and all love and all holiness and all righteousness. And yet in your compassion and in your humility, you use that great might on the agenda of your love and you rescue your people. You rescue your children. It is how you have chosen to show forth your enormous power and love for your creation is through the rescue of your people. And we are grateful to be a part of that. 
we are grateful to have been rescued and delivered and upheld by the love of God. We reflect on the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and we, we recognize that you are the God who saves. You shut the mouths of lions. And, oh God, we acknowledge in this text these are literal lions, beasts that were there in order to kill those who were put into the lion's pit, into the lion's den. And while Daniel was absolutely set up through the means of collusion of those who were jealous of him, O oh God, you allowed him to be triumphant. You, O oh God, intervened miraculously in that situation. And it was a witness not only to Daniel's heart, but even to the heart of the king and to all those who were around and even to those who experienced great, great punishment from that earthly king. Merciful God, help us to know that you are the God who delivers and rescues. Help us, O Lord, to recognize that you alone will avenge us. And we are not the ones who seek revenge. You have called us to do justice, but to not live as vengeful people. For your word reminds us that revenge belongs to you and you alone the king of all kings. And so we thank you for that reminder that your your revenge and your justice and your mercy are perfect. There is no one that can do it like you do it, O God. And so we surrender over to you our needs and desires and longing for rescue and for vindication. We place that into your more than able and holy hands that you will do exactly what needs to be done in all situations concerning your children. And while we wait, O God, for a full expression of such vindication, we are reminded of the ways in which you vindicated the Lord Jesus Christ. Although he indeed endured earthly oppression from within his religious community and by the hands of the unjust government, you vindicated him fully. When you rose him from the dead by the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that same vindicating Spirit, lives within us today. So I pray, O God, that we would live as people who have been vindicated, who have been delivered, who have been set free, who are not busy plotting revenge or concerned about such, but are free to love and to do justice for your namesake. And I pray right now for the person who is in a situation, oh God, where they have been treated unjustly, where not metaphorically or symbolically, but literally they have been plotted against, even by those who are supposed to be their friends, their family, their co-workers, their countrymen, their church members, oh God, whoever it might be, oh Lord, I pray that you would show yourself mighty to save not only our souls, but to save us in these, these circumstances that we face right now. Would you deliver that person who is longing for your intervention? Would you set them free? Would you, O Lord, let them know that revenge belongs to you alone? And would you remind them that you see them and that you are the one who ultimately vindicates us as you have done for the Lord Jesus Christ? And so, God, we thank you today for your word and for this reminder of your power to save as you continually save and rescue your people. It is in Christ's name that we pray and we give you thanks to the God who rescues. Amen and amen. 
Christians often dream about the possibility of revival, but revival doesn't come because we wish or plan for it. Revival occurs when groups of people pray together. However, praying together effectively doesn't come easily, and we're often left wondering how to best engage in the work of intercession. In her book, The Power of Group Prayer, Carolyn Carney draws from her decades of ministry experience to equip pastors, small group leaders, or anyone who wants a deeper prayer life to lead others in the kind of prayer that is necessary for effective, resilient ministry. Come to a place of deep intimacy with God as you learn ways to pray in community. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off the power of group prayer, plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivypress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.